turn with me um, to a familiar place because we will be going back to our Hebrews study in just a couple of weeks. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. We'll be back in Hebrews, I would say, not next week, not the week after because it'll be Ministry Sunday. Next week, we'll, I'll do a wrap-up of this discipleship. Why? Because we've covered 12 things, and I, I want to kind of hit the highlights so we kind of all agree to walk forward in these things and just pray over these things and, and trust God for these things. Uh, but, and then the week after that will be Ministry Sunday, and then we'll be back in Hebrews. But Hebrews chapter 4, we covered this passage. Uh, I'm not covering this verse uh, in its exact context, but it's related to everything I'm going to be talking about today because, as you know, God rested at the beginning. Jesus said, I promise rest. But let's look what Hebrews 4.10 has to say to us because Jesus still wants to do this in our lives. Hebrews 4.10, it says this, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. That's a reference back to Genesis 2.2. Isn't it like a load off your shoulders when you realize you don't have to strive for everything? That we can not work for something, but work in Christ. Let's pray again. Father, we just ask that the work of your spirit would lead and guide this Bible study. Remove me once again from the equation that I might, we might hear from you. Lord Jesus, use this study. May they be your words. And may we leave here rested and refreshed as you desire us to do. I pray you just remove the enemy from this building that we would just have the presence of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to assume that nearly everyone in this room, certainly every adult, has said in their minds, and if not audibly, to someone, but definitely in your minds many times, I've got nothing left to give. You ever felt that way? Just wiped out. Our energy, our mental capacity, our spiritual strength, they all reach points of just being wiped. And the reality is that we never have, we never are or never have anything to fill ourselves. We always need to be replenished. In other words, we don't have, we're, not, we're not little nuclear power plants. We need God to pour it in. We need to be refueled by the Lord himself. He has to refill us or we're of no value. This is true of our minds. This is true of our hearts. This is true of our physical bodies. It's definitely true of our spiritual condition. God has to refill. God has to replenish. But are we genuinely yielded, and are we ready to do it his way? Are we ready to do it his way? Are we going to keep doing it our way? We can be drained out, or we can be poured out, and they're not the same. Did you hear me on that? We can be drained out, or we can be poured out, but they're not the same. To be poured out is an act of surrender, and that the Lord will bless. To be drained out is to be robbed of our own flesh by the enemy. To be drained is to be robbed. The enemy wants to rob you of the rest of God, wants to rob me. Let me be clear. Even in being poured out, 
God does let us hit walls of fatigue. The apostles hit them. Prophets hit them. Even if you're being poured out, God's going to let you hit walls of fatigue. And moments where you say, what now? What will happen next? This week our microwave went out. We thought we were living off the grid. Um, <laughs> no popcorn? How are we going to live? You know, that kind of thing. That's a minor thing. But, you know, just, just every week there's something. Those things don't fatigue. That, that didn't fatigue us. That was just fun stuff. Uh, we'll see how long we can get by. But anyway. <laughs> but for the purpose of our growth and our trust and dependence on God, God lets us hit these walls to learn to trust in him, to learn to lean on him. It's not a state of... He doesn't want us in a state of feeling drained, a state of feeling defeated. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He was close to the end of his life, but this was a perpetual state for Paul, being poured out to be refilled, poured out to be refilled. And then the final pouring out would be him being filled for all eternity. Well, isn't that going to be great? No more of the fatigue. George Whitfield said, How sweet is rest after fatigue. How sweet will heaven be when our journey is ended. But if we're here this morning, our journey hasn't ended yet, has it? No, because you're here. And as disciples and as human beings, we have legitimate needs for rest and refreshing right now today, don't we? Today and tomorrow. And we can exhaust ourselves working really hard to find security and leisure, which are two American bulwarks right now. Find security and leisure. Security and leisure. I just want to be safe and having a fun time at all times. When God is calling us to freedom and rest, they're not the same either. Freedom and rest. Jesus said, if the sun set you free, you are what? free and be. He said, I've come to give you rest. But Jesus and his word, they have life-changing guidance if we're willing to be his disciples. And that's going to change our mindset. It's going to change our priorities. And it's going to give us rest that can't be purchased, but it can be received. It's a rest that's provided at the soul level. Soul level. Where no one can see the soul but God. It's not dependent on circumstances. So let's understand what God has given. We have these we statements. I read the one from generosity last week, so I'm not going to reread that. But let's just look at 12 again. I read it last week as I'm getting ahead, but let's see it for today. We embrace the gift and need of scriptural rest. We believe that from the beginning, God instructed the importance of rest and being refreshed in mind, body, and spirit. So we are resolved to serve well, but to rest well both personally and in specific ministry areas, that we might be regularly replenished for the long-term work of Christ. God wants you available 10 years from now if, he, if, if he's going to extend your life that long. So he wants you ready, refreshed, replenished. We embrace the gift and need of rest, but we're talking about scriptural rest. Because the world's definition, there's a lot of definitions out there, but we need God's definition. He's the one that designed rest. No one else was even there when he said, I'm going to rest. 
On the seventh day, of course, Adam was there, but nobody else. When we think about biblical scriptural rest, I truly believe we need an awakening and an understanding of what God has to say about rest versus what our culture thinks about rest. Society can, and I believe it does infect our thinking, don't you? I'm not immune to it. I, I pastor a church. I love the Lord. And I still catch myself sometimes the things in the world kind of clinging to my thought process. Like, why am I thinking this? This isn't how God operates. And the world's thinking, it's always opposed to the word. It's always opposed to the instructions of God. And it's slight tweaks that actually send you way offline. There's a small deviation. So often we're not resting well not in the sense that Christ intended. The main reason is our minds are not at rest. Can we agree that our minds can go a thousand miles? If we could run like our minds, we could circle the globe in about five seconds. (laughs) Our minds are going everywhere. Our minds are not at rest. They're not set on the Lord often. And so consequently, our minds and our bodies, they remain in this state of unrest. By the way, I'm preaching to me too. God, I'm even telling God, as I'm preparing this last few weeks, I'm like, Lord, you know I'm not as good at resting as I know you have called me to and want me to learn to. And God says, I know, you've still got to write this out and teach it anyway. One of, the, one of the gifts of teaching is he who teaches learns. And so when you actually read this stuff, you apply it even more. And I, I, I pray that that will take place in your life. But uh, where do we start in identifying where we're at when it comes to rest. What's robbing us of rest? And how does God want us as disciples to rest? And the answer to both questions goes back um, to the very beginning of our discipleship and study series and the beginning of looking at, Lord, how do you want me to rest? Here it is. It is written. You have to go back to the Word of God. I have to go back to the Word of God. It's not in one of those amazing articles at the newsstand. You'll, you'll, you'll be there, and you've you got everything, and you're like, do I really need that gum? Do I need the lip balm? Do I need uh, a <laughs> Snickers? Do I, uh, Visine. These are all the things that are like the last thing at the counter. Uh, nail clippers. Do we even have those anymore? You know, All that's right there, and, and then there's an article that says, Stillness of mind, relaxation, how to calm yourself in 10 easy steps. Oprah with her 50th article on how to calm your body and mind and spirit or all these, and they're all right there. And then you say, but I wonder what God has to say about all this. Because the world's thinking about it, writing about it, but God has far more to say about the need and gift of rest that I can cover this morning. But we'll cover enough to set our minds on his rest. Amen? I believe almost everyone is looking for rest in America, in this room, especially in their minds. We're all looking for rest in the mind, but it's only found in Christ. We we let off with Hebrews 4.10. We've entered into his rest. And God wants us to enter into his rest. We read Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 together, but let's look at the next verse, which is key to living out 
this promise of rest. We read the 28th verse. Let's look at the 29th verse. Take my yoke. Right after it says, I'll give you rest, Jesus says now, right after he says, I'll give you rest, I'm going I'm to do it. If I'm like an ox, I've got to get down beside the other ox, and the yoke has to come on. It's a yielding. The, the ox has to stop. Jesus, in this case, is the load-bearing lead, and he has the yoke, and we get beside him. He says, you're going to have to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We have to learn how to rest. I'll give you rest. Rest is on either, it brackets both. I'll give you rest. At the bottom it says, for I am gentle and loyal heart, uh, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Boy, if the soul can rest, everything can rest. If the soul can rest, everything else can rest. The mind can rest. Your body can rest. Even if you're racked with cancer or some horrible disease, if the soul can rest, everything else can rest. It's the way it works. God wants to give rest at that soul level. This is exchanging the tyranny and the fool's gold of the world's version of rest for Christ's rest that gets down to that soul level. And it's like resetting a bone. If we, even if you're saved, God says, I know you've read this verse, and I know this verse applies to salvation, but it also applies to post-salvation. It's not just for salvation. This is a both and. It definitely applies to salvation, but also post-salvation because we want to live in that rest. But to get our minds right and our hearts right, we have to take resetting a bone. Our habits and our tactics have to be unlearned. We have to unlearn bad habits that are contributing to unrest and not having this true rest in the presence of Christ and following his commands. Let's look at some of the challenges of rest. Do you agree we have some challenges to rest? Let me see if you recognize some of these. Number one... Life itself is very tiring. Did you know that? <laughs> Traffic is not going away. Long hours are not going away. Number two, everyone is required to work. Everyone has to work. Unless you win the lottery, which I'd be careful. The Bible talks about ill-getting gain is sometimes a curse. We, we all have to use our minds and bodies. Work itself was not a curse. But Paul even wrote to the Thessalonians, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't what? Eat. Eat. Everybody has to work. God's created us to work. Even before sin, Adam and Eve were to tend the garden. Work wasn't a curse. We're, we're created to work. Number three, though, the enemy wants us overworked, underworked, perpetually entertained, distracted, bored, and restless. He doesn't care which one of those you latch on to or live in. If it's a laziness or a workaholic or a busyness, all of it he's good with, as long as you are enslaved to anything in that list. Let me zero in here for a second. Some in this room, you have an inclination to be workaholics. As long as you're accomplishing something, that substitutes rest. I'm accomplishing something. I'm crossing another thing off the list. For some... It's you just try and stay busy. You're not a workaholic. You just try and stay busy. Work, work out, window shop, volunteer, piddle some, start a project. Just stay busy. Just stay busy. That's not di divine direction, though. 
Some, you wish that was your problem. You feel like you have far more than you can possibly handle. The job, the kids, the school, the homework, the bills, the groceries, the meals, the doctor visits, the list goes on and on and on. You're just wiped. You're not a workaholic. You're not trying. You just, you, something's got you by the tail. A really good night's sleep would almost be like a vacation for some of you. Then we have, on top of all that, we have the American fixation on leisure time. TV time, vegging out, <coughs> zoning out, scrolling, hosting, watching, surfing, binging, blogging, TikToking. I've got the kids in the back covered. Uh, road trips, <laughs> sports, hobbies. And yet all of that, we're still not satisfied. All this stuff was supposed to make our lives richer. Rest. Nothing could be more restful than the invention of the iPad. But then you find your mind can never stop. That just never stops. We literally are experiencing a term. I was talking to my wife. I said, you know, when you and I were in high school in the 80s, we would hear the term information overload, but now we're living information overload. I don't even think we understood what the term meant. I didn't. Now I do. I find that, that like, Lord, I need, my mind needs it. I can't get another text. There's too much stuff. Number four, busyness is pervasive and ever-encroaching. Daniel chapter 12 said at the end of the age, and we're there, that things would speed up and everything would get faster like a treadmill just going from level three to level ten, and you're running fast. And God said this would happen in the end times. This is true. Even as we're endeavoring to keep our eyes on Christ, we need, Lord, you've got to dial this back. The busyness is everywhere. Business just kind of sticks to us. The cares of this world. But we have this non-essential time crunch. We're adding a lot of non-essentials to our life that are making us more complicated. We're adding the non-essentials. No one, God says, when did I tell you to add that to your calendar? And we just keep doing it. I was at the checkout line of a national pharmacy. It rhymes with CBS. Um, <laughs> but... Um, they hand me this little flyer, uh, some little membership thing, and it was a membership to help me with my non their words, nonstop life. The marketers are marketing to this now. They know everyone has a nonstop life. They know everyone's busy. They know everyone's frazzled. So they're marketing to it now. The busyness is pervasive. Number five, this is a big problem because we still have a sin nature that we battle. We have the Holy Spirit if we're saved, but we still have that old man that fights. Our flesh naturally resists God's command and his guidance. We unwittingly fall back to leaning to our own understanding again and again and again, don't we? It's the I feel versus it is written. I feel versus it is written. I feel that if I just stay home, and rest, and skip the prayer meeting, I'll feel great. God says, you actually need prayer. Many Christians are deciding to go to church less so they can rest more. That trade will never work. That's an I feel versus it is written. 
well, one day with the Lord is too much. No, you, we need, this should be a rest. This should be an oasis for you and me. That's like uh, not putting gas in your car so you can save time. It's too much time to stop and put gas in the car. So I'll just skip that process so I can save a little time. We need to believe that coming to worship and fellowship together is part of God's promised rest. That's why he said that seventh day, you need a Sabbath. You need a day that you just don't focus on all the other stuff. And, and some of you that have weird hours or third shift or you're a nurse or you're a doctor or, and, and, and even pastors, we have to, Lord, you're going to have to show me where is my Sabbath going to be. You need one. I need one. But you also need to gather with the people of God and worship together. You'll find rest for your souls. All of this is coming from it is written. It is written. Jesus is saying, I'm bidding you to these areas. Too many have no time for quiet rest in the word and prayer. The word and prayer is essential to your rest. Gotta, no wonder our minds are all over the place. Number six, disciples are called to labor for Christ and his kingdom. So in the middle of all the fact that we need rest, we're still called to labor for Jesus. All right, this is a kind of a paradox, isn't it? Do you want me resting or working? Do you want me watching or waiting? Yes. Lord, how do I juggle all this? Well, you find the balance, not in you know, these pictures like this, right? You find the balance spending time with Jesus, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer. And he's going to set that balance. We're called to be servants, and being servants is going to make us tired. But that's actually a good tired. There is such thing as a good tired. When I was two years out of high school, when I was 19 and 20, for two straight summers, I worked framing houses, and I would work from, we'd have to get start framing houses before it was like 98 degrees in the shade. I slept like a rock. I don't know how many sheets of plywood I carried. I got ripped that summer. And I, you know, it was, that was an added benefit. But, uh, and I wasn't safe, so I really liked that part of it. You know, yeah, look, check out the guns, you know, whatever. But, uh, but um, I would sleep so good because you were exhausted in a good way. Head hit the pillow. Boy, later on in life when you have to use your mind to work, you wish you were toting wood around. You really do. But we're called to labor for Christ. And he says, this labor is going to make you a good tired. We'll get to that. Number seven, seasons and rest requirements are not entirely static. What you need as rest today may be different next year. Now, you'll still need Sabbath. But you may need a different season of rest at different seasons of your life. And I don't have time to get into all that. But there may be a time where God says, look, you just need this sabbatical in this area. There may be a health issue you deal with for a while that you've got to rest differently than another season in life. It's not a, it's not a cookie-cutter approach through life. God will guide you through and say, no, no, this right now you can't take that on. No, you need to rest. You need to, no, you need to take the whole season off from sports activities with the kids. But, but they'll hate us forever. No, they won't. They might thank you. There's all kinds of things that God, I'm not here to tell you which is which. I'm saying that there's seasons for everything, and they're not static. We looked at George Mueller's life last week. Uh, interestingly enough, remember, he needed a season of rest. His health caused him to rest way more in his early years. When he got older, he didn't even need the rest. 
How about that for those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, right? <laughs> but if we're looking to Jesus, he wants to lead us through all of these challenges and all of these seasons. You know Psalm 23. I love Psalm 23. I, I think of it often. I think of it when I go on runs. I think the trails, I'm like, Lord, you're the one leading me. But I love that he makes us lie down. Because we sometimes are like toddlers. We do not want a nap. <laughs> but we know we need a nap. We're as cranky as a toddler. We need a nap. And Jesus makes us lie down. Isn't that great? And sometimes he'll give you the flu or whatever else it takes to make you lie down. Just as Jesus said, what? It's for our soul. It's the soul refreshing. But we're not laying down to stay down. Notice what it says. We're not laying down to stay down. He makes me lie down in green pastures, but then he leads me. You're not laying down there forever. You're not laying down forever and saying, oh, someone bring me a lemonade. Someone do, you know, that's... It's to regather strength. He makes me lie down beside these still. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths. Paths are somewhere you got to walk. So you're not laying down forever. It's to continue on that pilgrim's progress, to be led by Christ in the path that he set before us. What? To magnify his name. In all of this, we rest to be reset on the path for what? His name's sake. It's for his glory. It's for his plans, his purposes, everything he's called and designed you to do. Even before you're born, he said, I've got this, 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 and what I want Tim to do, I want this person to do, and, but they're going to have to lay down every now and then, rest, and get back up and follow the path. The path goes forward through the valley of the shadow of death even. And so we see that rest and labor go hand in hand. Again, everyone has to labor. If you say, I've got to work tomorrow, Yes. If I can work for Jesus, yes. Everyone has to labor. But what, how, and who are we working for? What, how, and who are we working for? John 6, 27, Jesus spoke about this. Remember, he speaks on rest and work, but they, go, they, they dovetail together. Rest and work. This, this is what he said. Do not labor for the food which perishes. Everyone's got to work, but he says, be careful what you work for. But for the food which endures to what? everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because the Father has set his seal on him. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're going to have to labor, you're going to have to exert effort, but it's going to be a good tired if it's for eternal things. This is the work God will reward with a sustaining power that lasts longer than food. Jesus would say that sometimes. He goes, I have food of which you know not. I have strength of which you don't know. Strength that you can't get from shredded wheat or Wheaties in the morning. That was a big thing in the, you know, when we were a kid. You ate Wheaties. It could, it could last you all day. All the great athletes ate it. But uh, something better, something better than that. And not only, though, will Jesus cause us to work, but he will be the one, going back to some point, he will prompt us to appropriately rest. In Mark um, 6.31, Mark 6.31, he says to the disciples, he, says, he said to them, come aside. This was Jesus coaching his own disciples. He says, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. He knew they needed rest. He knows if you in this room need to come aside and rest. 
He'll tell me sometimes. There's days where he's told me, don't study today. I do not study. Do not study. Rest and just hang out with me. Go do something. Take your wife somewhere. Take and just clear the deck. And he told them that. And it says there was many coming, and they did not even have time to eat. You ever felt like you didn't have time to even get through the Wendy's drive-thru? <laughs> Go to Chick-fil-A. They move way faster. You know, they can... They, uh, <laughs> They put like 30 cars in by Wendy's puts in two, you know, so sorry, Wendy's, but, you know, they're just that good at Chick-fil-A. But uh, don't go on Sundays. You're, you're out of you know, no, no opportunity there. But guess what? Jesus told him to go rest, and guess what? He told him to go rest, but if you know how this passage goes, he tells him to go rest, but they didn't get to rest at that moment. He said, go take, Jesus knows what he's, he knows they need to rest, but he actually knows they're not going to be able to. They didn't get to rest at that moment. Nope. I've got a chart here. I'm showing you how, the, how things went. They got, the, they got the command to go and rest here. And then they rode to the other side, but 5,000 people were there to meet them. So instead of resting, Jesus said, all right, I know I said to go rest. Time out. You're not going to get to rest. Actually, start handing out food and fish, bread and fish. But that wasn't the end of it. Then they rode to the other side. They rode to the other side. And by the way, as they rode to the other side, Jesus comes in the middle of the night walking on water to them. They were white because they were rowing all night and couldn't get past the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Remember, they were supposed to go rest. They still haven't rested. They're rowing all night. Jesus comes, calms the water. They get to the other side. Jesus leads them village by village all through that orange area there. They go through all of Decapolis area. They're going through all these villages, healing many. Then Jesus deals with the Pharisees who are trying to trap him about the traditions of men, and he silences their hypocrisy. They finally make it to the place of rest all the way up here at Tyre and Sidon, which is in Lebanon. They finally make it to the place of rest days later in a place completely outside of Israel when Jesus had told them back near Capernaum area, somewhere there, Go rest. They said, all right, we'll go rest. But he's like, but you're not actually going to get to for another several days. But you'll get there, and you won't forget that you, when you get there, it'll finally be the right time to rest. Jesus will very often, I want to tell you something about rest with Jesus. Jesus will often, very often, take us farther in our labor than we think we can go. I started running again a couple of years ago. I, I mentioned it, and I will oftentimes I say, Lord, push me another 100 yards further than I think I can go because I'm always thinking about it spiritually. Push me a little farther than I think I can go. You know, when they're facing the Giants, the, the one kid, he doesn't think he can go, but so far they blindfold him. He gets all the way to the end zone. He goes, you're in the end zone, Brady. He didn't think he could get that far. Well, Jesus will do that. But they actually do get to that place of rest. Uh, they rest. Jesus, when he gets to Tyre and Sidon, doesn't even get to rest. He ends up having people find him even there. But unlike us, Jesus can survive on a lot less rest than we can. They finally get it. But uh, the rest we will receive from the Lord has a spiritually empowered impact. We'll get day-by-day day strength till we can get to that time of that aside, come aside and rest that he's taught, called us to. Because you might say, man, I, how am I going to get it? I, I'm not going to be able to rest and assert. I can, you have to find little Sabbaths, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But if there's some uh, season of rest you can get to, God will get you there. 
but it's abiding in him, meditating on him day and night. So let me, let me ask you, are you sufficiently tired because you're laboring for Christ? Are you perpetually mired on the hamster wheel of fatigue chasing your own agenda? Are you tired because you're working for the Lord? Are you tired because you're running from the Lord and running to some other thing? You have to be able to, really, Lord, help me assess. Or is it a little bit of both? I would say most of us would say it's a little bit of both. I am working for the Lord, but I'm also a little distracted. And that little bit of distraction sucks valuable 10, 15, 20% energy we need. Amen? The little bit of distraction keeps things off track. And Jesus wants us to get fully fixed on following him back to Psalm 23, laying down, rising up as he wants us to do. We'll have to be honest and have the Lord show us really where we're at. Lord, show me where my real priorities are. If you ask God that honest question, he's going to show you where your real priorities are. He's not going to hide it from you. He's going to show you these 10 things I'm, I'm well pleased with. These five need to go or need to be vastly reduced in your life or in my life. We have bad habits that God says it's time to lay aside. Remember in Hebrews 12, every sin and every what? Wait. We're carrying around sometimes on our back the Bowflex all over town. God says, it's time. you can work out on it, but you shouldn't carry it around all day. You've got to lay that aside. Some of the bad habits, some of the lack of discipline. There's certain things that I have been working on in discipline for like nine years, and I've made like an inch of progress at a time. How about you? And God's like, it's, it's time to make at least a foot progress because the rest will come with that. A lot of it is uh, things that we've self-imposed, but if you're pouring your life out for Christ, and even if you've tried or given up a few times, it's time for all of us to have Jesus set our pace. To Jesus set, you know, you have a pace car on a racetrack, you want Jesus to set the pace to serve well, and to rest wisely. So what? So we can persevere. And persevere, it's not, it's not the same as just kind of hanging in there. It's a joyful expectation that we will get to the other side. Remember, they're rowing. Jesus wanted them to learn, you'll always get to the other side if I've sent you to the other side. But your rest will be enough, even in the labor, till you can get to the come aside and rest. But all of that, we want Jesus to help us to serve well and to rest well because he's setting our pace. He's our good shepherd. He's leading us day by day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and showing us through the word. Um, literally, uh, some of I have to exercise to stay in shape, but the Lord will tell me certain days. He'll say, I know that your routine says do this. Don't do it today. I'll just have a sense where the Lord say, don't do it today. You need a, that muscle. All needs a rest. But, but my schedule says, this is me. Lord, I don't care what your schedule says. My heaven says this. And so be in tune with the Lord to just modify what sometimes we do. And sometimes uh, the things that will be rest are the opposite. The Lord says, instead of doing that, instead of just chilling out, go to that prayer meeting and be refreshed. Well, we have people that running out of here like they could run a marathon that's this past Wednesday. And I know they came in. I told everybody, I said, happened to me again. I came in feeling like a five energy level. I left feeling like a 10 or 11. It's because it's spiritual. We have to have Jesus set the pace. Um, 
And it's important that Jesus set the pace because so many are quitting. But they're, what they're really quitting are the things of God. They're not quitting all the things that they have in their personal agenda. Too many are quitting, which is exactly what Satan wants, especially given that you may be very close to personal victories and lives changed and seen a harvest, but we quit just before God was going to do something amazing. It's, we're so close. Jesus said, don't quit. So we have to learn to rest. If you're tired, learn to rest, not quit. Learn to rest. Small st- steps of rest. Like literally, change. Say, Lord, show me if in the middle of the day I need to stop, clear the desk, and go take a 15-minute walk and just rest in your presence. Learn to take baby Sabbaths all over the place that we have strength to continue to go forward. These small breaks are really important. Uh, even in the ministry here, uh, I, we, we and the elders, we get on our knees, we pray, Lord, do we need a break from this? Sometimes we can put too many things on the church calendar. I admit it. I fight against it. The enemy wants us as busy with that kind of stuff as any kind of stuff. It has to be for eternal purposes. Sometimes we'll say, all right, uh, we won't have this for two months and just rest, and then the Lord will show us when to retake flight, when to jump back on the track and start running that same path again. Elizabeth Elliot said this about rest. Rest is a weapon given to us by God. Isn't that true? We saw it all the way back in Genesis. We see it from Jesus. It's the enemy hates it because he wants you stressed and occupied, but not with the things of God, stressed and occupied with the things of this world, just the, the clutter of it all. This will absolutely require simplifying our lives. Say, Lord, show me how I can simplify. What are the thing, do you think God has the wisdom to be a life coach? You know, we hear this term, life coach. God is more than, he, he's a life giver. So we say, Lord, I, I, my life is complicated. Can you uncomplicate it? And God says, yes, I was waiting for you to come to me, but truly surrendered, and I'll help you untangle it. And even in my, I mean, I've been in serving in, as a pastor for 12 years, and my wife can tell you, I said, I, I now know at 51, I knew absolutely nothing at 41. And God has shown me, this is how to uncouple this. This is how to uncouple this. This is how to take this weight off. This, and it's a slow process, but it's a refreshing process. It's a strength-giving process. And we're going to have to be intentional about God's command to rest. We're going to have to be intentional. I want to wind this down and, and funnel into kind of closing this out with some basic discipleship guidelines uh, and the final list of 12 in this series. Uh, if you're wiped out, on Tuesday, but you still have a lot of big responsibilities coming up on Wednesday all the way through Saturday, you're going to still need to rest in Jesus right at the top. If you know, say, oh, I'm only one-third of the way through, I've got all this, and you're not going to be able to take certain kind of rest, how do we learn to spiritually rest in Christ? I can't count how many times I've preached white, exhausted but God says, but I'll give you strength as you rest in me. How many of you moms, I mean, you, you, the kid throws up all over the place? I'm going to need rest at 3 a.m. while I'm cleaning. God can give you that rest. So for number one, we have to believe that Jesus is the source of rest. Amen? We have to believe even more than our beds and pillows, 
and couches and everything. Jesus is the source of rest. We have to understand that. We have to, in obedience, say, all right, God says, if this is actually robbing you of rest, will you give it up? Are you going to obey me? Are you going to believe that being in the house of God and worshiping is a part of your rest? Are you going to believe that being in prayer, being in the word, has to be in wisdom? Lord, show me what I need to do. When I was was about eight years old, my grandmother uh, had this big bird cage with parakeets in it. Nothing petrifies parakeets than see an eight-year-old boy walk through the door. Um, so the parakeets had, they could sit on the out, they had these outside edge things with the little, that hard seed thing, they could nibble on that thing. They also had a center spot where I couldn't get to them. But if they would be on either side, I could pull the tail, they'd jump to the other side, i pull the tail, they jump the other side. This is what Satan does to us. And Jesus said, why don't you plop down in the middle where he can't bug you with busyness nonstop to learn to abide, wisdom abide in the center. I was like the, the tormentor uh, to them. You know, just again, back and forth. They'd jump from one side to the other, but if they would sit in the middle, they couldn't be touched. I couldn't bother them. And God wants to show us, I want you to, in wisdom, I want to modify so when, if I say for you to plant yourself here, you're not bouncing back and forth, and the enemy is kind of using you as a ping pong ball. So we need wisdom from God. But that's only going to come from what? Being in the Word of God. His word is a lamp unto our what? Feet and a light to our path. We need the wisdom of God. There's going to be changing seasons. And so, Lord, show me that if there's changing seasons, what modifications I make in that changing season. Because we need to understand that seasons change. We have to be intentional. We say, Lord, no matter what, I'm going to find Sabbath rest because you want me to find Sabbath rest. I want to have my rest in you. And I want to wind this down by taking a look um, at, you know, the understanding that um, we'll have to turn off distractions. We'll have to disconnect if needed. We'll have to change bedtimes if that's important. Uh, all of these things. And, uh, and understand that all of this, the Lord will lead us to a place of saying, Lord, this was refreshing. This really helped me. This actually added. I felt like I gained time back, and I'm not striving. I told you about Jesus. What's amazing to me is not only was he up early, but he found his rest in the Lord, but he never is running like a madman. He just walks from city to city, and he got more done. And I told you about George Mueller. How does a guy from 70 to 87 hit 42 countries, speaking six languages, no airfare, and he doesn't look like he's running around like a nut. How does he do it? Because he was incredibly resting in God and prayer and the word. And that's what the Lord wants us to learn. So I want to just close with these last why, uh, last list that we have for this series. Next week I'll do a wrap-up of everything. But I just want to cl- close this last list. And again, uh, Nicole already put the list of 12 out on our website. So soon all the materials will be out on the website. We already have one page it just kind of lists the we statements, I, sh- I should say. Uh, but I want to go briefly through these, and we'll come to a close. Number one, God, we know that God modeled rest. God rested and ceased from his creation. Um, if God modeled taking a break, you and I have to take a break. If God modeled taking a break, he said, you're going to need this. Sabbath was made for us. God didn't need it. He doesn't need to rest. But he says, I modeled it 
that you would know you need a day, a specified time to take. God didn't need, again, he didn't need to fix anything, but you and I, a day where we're not trying to problem solve. Now, if someone, if in an emergency, Jesus would heal on the Sabbath, wouldn't he? I teach on the Sabbath. This isn't the Sabbath. This is the Lord's Day. I understand it's the first day of the week. But again, the, the principle's the same. We gather once a week. And, but I kind of cut the clock later this afternoon. My wife tell you, I'm done ministry. Unless it's an emergency, unless someone really does have an emergency, uh, I get to rest the rest of After a certain time this afternoon, I'm off the clock. So I can be ready and refreshed for the start of a whole new week. And so we have that. Some of you that go to Bonaire, and on those two Sundays, you've got to find, all right, how do I modify to have part of my Sabbath on Saturday? So, Lord, show me, because we, we, we don't have the under the law, but we still need wisdom. Uh, number two, the, orig uh, the origin was a blessing. God consecrates the set-apart time. So, again, come and say, Lord, even as you're driving into church, say, Lord, this time that's consecrated, I'm believing you're going to bless and as I just rest under the word, rest and worship. Uh, number three, we know God commands it. If God commands it, it's good. Um, did you know this is how much commanded uh, we need sleep? And in the average lifetime, you will sleep 26 years of your life. That, that's a pretty good indication that we need rest. 26 years. You could raise a 26-year-old. 26 years of sleeping because it was commanded from the beginning. Number four, it focuses us on God. You know the passage from Psalm 46:10: Be still and know that I am God. A lot of times God says, you've got to be still. Just running around like a hamster. Be still. Stop and, and uh, just focus on God. You know, Jesus taught us about solitude, didn't he? He would go away by himself up on the mountain to pray just the stillness. As much as I love music, there's times where I, the Lord will just tell me, turn the radio completely off, make it as silent in the car as you possibly can, and just meditate on me and the Word. No music, not even classical music, which is actually pretty good at, you know, just kind of calming and all that stuff. Just no, nothing. And then after that, I might worship again. There's a stillness. It focuses our mind on God. Uh, number five, it stills the heart and mind uh, uh, quietness in and of itself is a blessing. Uh, there was a, a study done that if you 15 minutes of pure silence, actually, if you do it daily, actually helps a 50-year-old mind recalibrate to like a 25-year-old mind. 15, you know, uh, just we're learning more and more that constant noise and nonstop is not good for us. Number six, uh, this refreshes the mind and the spirit, essentially uh, renewing us mentally. Uh, again, uh, our prayer nights are good proof of that. When you go and spend time in personal prayer in your prayer closet, you will find that your mind and your spirit is refreshed by just clearing, clearing the deck. So for this prayer time, I'm not thinking about all the other things that are out there. I'm just talking to Jesus. Number seven, it calms and settles settles the soul. Uh, we need soul-level restoration. We need to meditate on the fact that God is in control. A lot of times we're busy because we're trying to control everything. We're not only the conductor, we're trying to play the clarinet. We're trying to play the cymbals. We're trying to do all of it, right? And God says, I want you to stop trying to do it all 
and just trust that I'm in control of it all. Number uh, eight, it's an absolute necessity. Um, lifetime cycle, again, I mentioned earlier, if you, if you don't sleep for 11 or 12 days straight, uh, you'll sleep forever. Um, <laughs> at least, <laughs> not, spirit, not your soul. But um, So we know that God says, look, you're, you're going to have to, just like the biorhythms tell us this, God says you're going to need to make these pockets of rest throughout the day, throughout the week. Make, make the dinner table with your family a time of rest. Just throw the phones in a basket, you know, get all that stuff and say, we're just going to rest together. Number nine, renews the body of energy. It takes intentional rest. There's a great benefit uh, to um, removing all the things that, that are uh, just cluttering and it's just really, really wise to say, Lord, I, I, I know that my body, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the thing I'm worshiping, but I still have to take care of it. So it needs rest. Uh, it helps us, number 10, continue our work. When we're strengthened, man, you can run back. You know, you, know, you, you get a really good night's sleep or you, you get rested. Um, when I go take a vacation, uh, I go take it not to stay on vacation. I I, I would not want the aimlessness of these TV shows on HGTV. Of, I just want to live my whole life like drinking margaritas, watching. No, no, no. God didn't create us for that. But I do think there's value in saying, I got rested, refreshed, and I'm ready to go back and help other people. By the way, uh, helping uh, uh, several of these lists, one of the best things you can do, if you really want to serve the Lord and serve people, uh, to actually say, I know we've got young parents. What, you know, those of you that have the capacity to do this, say, hey, we'll take your kids for a couple hours. You can just go rest. So you can kind of take a load off. It's one of the best things we can do for others in the body of Christ. Say, hey, I want to I give you the gift of rest for a night. We want to take, we do this. It has to be people you trust and know. I get all that. But uh, provided all those th components are there, so that's, that's something we can do for you. My, me and wife have had a chance to do that four people say, hey, we'll take the kids, um, we'll lock them in a door so we can, uh, no, I couldn't, you know, just kidding, just kidding, you know, uh, we'll watch, they'll watch 80 movies in a row, and we'll, you know, that, but we've, over our life, we've been able to do that for people to provide, say, you need, you need a break, and we can help give you a break, and so that's something people, you can do for other people in here is, is to help them get their strength back, um, number 11 and 12, it broadens our vision, uh, sometimes we rest, we come back, and we have clarity again. We actually can form uh, an outline. We actually see the vision like, wow, I was so heads down, I couldn't even think straight. Now I see what I, oh, this is kind of the, the next steps. It's important for ministry leaders, important for parents, important for anybody. And then lastly, you know um, fatigue makes cowards of us all. That when you don't have rest, you become very, very timid in the things of God. And so God says, you need rest to kind of rebuild your confidence and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All of these things, so important. Closing with these last two, we're going to go back to our verse again. Spurgeon said, rest is not a waste of time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take an occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. And, and, and I, I talk to our elders and deacons about that. I say, we are not, 
We're not competing with church down the street who has something going. I'm not talking about it. I'm saying all over Richmond. Don't think I was thinking of a specific church. I'm not. But, I mean, there's church in town. Well, they've got something on their calendar seven days a week. I don't care, nor am I impressed. Maybe they have the bandwidth for that. Maybe they have that many servants. We will not overload our servants because they need a life of working for the Lord, but also resting well to work again the next day, to rest well. And so burning people out is not a godly thing, not a helpful thing. And so we will take rest if it's needed, and, and that factors into everything we pray through and do. And ultimately, though, no matter what, to go back to our verse, and then we're going to come to a close here, um, our rest has to be in Jesus. Amen? Our rest has to be in Christ. And he has to give you wisdom this week, and he has to show you personally. There's not an exact blueprint for everybody, but there's certain things that remain true. All of us need Sabbath rest. All of us need to have God show us where, where those pockets are robbing us and draining us. And then some of those same pockets, the Lord says, I'm not going to have you drink, but pour it out, and I'll refresh you because you're poured out as opposed to drained out. But all of it goes back to knowing that we've entered his rest through obedience. Amen? We're not going to close in worship. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm going to give you some time back here. So why don't you stand? So tell the worship team, no closing song today. I'm just going to give, we're going to pray together. Uh, I hope you're here next week because we're going to kind of do a wrap-up of the 12 things, and I'm not covering all that detail. I'm just, I just want to kind of say, all right, now that we know these things, what will we do together to implement them in our life? Uh, what will we do? And to just give you some uh, kind of pointers of what God would have to uh, take these from being, all right, I know these are things God wants me to do, but how do I apply them? How do I begin to implement them? Uh, from a broader perspective, because we looked at 12 things, all the way starting with the Word, all the way down to this 12th thing and rest. And, and as a church, we want to live by these principles. And so people that meet us, they go out on the website, or they meet you, they know you're not perfect. They know you have flaws. They know you skin your knees spiritually. But, but you can say, but these are guiding principles that Jesus taught. And we're trying to grow in them, and we are growing in them. And you'll be able to have a testimony to say, and the really cool thing is, as I've been yielded to God, I found my joy grow, my peace grow, my time has expanded. I used to have no time. All of a sudden, God doesn't want you completely broke of not a single penny to help a single person and not a single minute to help a single person. That's a problem, isn't it? And he would say, now you have a little bit of an overflow, and you're able to say, you know what? We're refreshed enough. We can. Let's call that family and let that couple that have four kids go out on a date, and they can rest tonight. Maybe even if you're really an expert, they could spend the night or something like that, you know, uh, but things like that. And so all I, what I'm saying is God wants us to grow the point that we're not all tapped out, that we can do nothing, that Jesus taught the 12 that after they fed the 5,000, remember that was when they were supposed to rest, but they didn't get to, they had a bunch of baskets left over. Jesus said, not only will I teach you how to row past the night, walk through the desert, get to the rest point, but in the process, you'll become more productive, and you'll actually have a bunch of fish and loaves that weren't even there in the first place. And so God wants to expand. And this is supernatural, folks. This is only stuff God can do. Do you believe that? Yes. Are we going to do it his way? Let's pray. 
Father, we just thank you again that your word is true. As we start out, it is written, Lord. We know you want to give us rest. We don't need to feel guilty about resting, but Lord, you make us lie down to refresh us, to get back up, to walk the path that you've called us to do, which is to be a disciple, to disciple others, to minister to others, to care for others. But Lord, if we don't have strength, then we're not going to be able to provide and help other people and, and really to be your hands and feet. So Lord, we ask that you would teach us how to rest. Uh, there's more, far more than I can cover in a day, Lord, but I pray that where I have been inadequate in communicating it, your Holy Spirit has communicated it to each and every person what they specifically need. And Lord, as a church, we'll learn to serve well, labor well, but also rest well for the long-term work of Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen.